Welcome to another episode. I am D, and this is the Sussex Set. Thanks as always for tuning in. Hope everybody's doing well as we go into the holiday season. But let's jump right into it. There's a lot of things I haven't had the chance to talk about on the podcast yet, so I'm kind of going to be working my way backwards in a way. But I want to start with the appeal. I want to hit on everything, but I want to start there. So as you know, I'm sure the Daily Mail has begun their appeal. Really, it's over. But uh, in the last couple of weeks, that's been the big story, at least out of England with regard to Megan. Um she won the, the the lawsuit in the summary judgment initially. And if you remember back when, around the time that she had her miscarriage, uh, they originally postponed the proceedings until the fall of this year, which is where we currently are. Uh, and if you remember around the time that Megan had uh, the miscarriage, they had set the, the trial for this time, but Megan's team basically said, well, there's no way that the Associated Papers can win. This is a simple case. It's it's open and shut. We're moving for a summary judgment. And that's what uh, Justice Warby ultimately granted. But of course, if you're on the losing side, you have the right to appeal. And that's where that's where we are now. Now, central to the appeal is Jason Knopf and his testimony. Now, think about that. Jason Knopf, who is Megan's former aide, and who is the current CEO, chief executive officer of the Royal Foundation, which is Will and Kate's charity, central to the the opposition, Megan's main opposition here, the Associated Papers, central to their appeal is the testimony of Jason Knopf. And who, by the way, said he regrets not providing this testimony in the original suit which Megan won in a summary judgment. That in and of itself is highly problematic. Not surprising at all, but highly problematic. But let's take a step back and actually look at why that's problematic. Not because all roads lead to Will and Kate, because we know that. Like, we know that. We've said that for years, like literal years at this point. But it's kind of scary when you think about the fact that this this is a person who was side by side with Megan, pretending to be, for lack of a better word, an ally, right? Someone who is trying to help her transition into this royal role. Jason was at the Invictus Games where Harry and Megan first made their relationship public. That was in 2016. So Jason has been there from the beginning. But all the while, all the while, there's this larger plan. And, and, and really this appeal, to me, it does nothing but crystallize the fact that all along, there was this larger plan to undermine Megan with the goal of basically vilifying her, making her the anti-Kate, making her the, you know, I bet they were so excited when they couldn't, you know, sway Harry from deciding that she was the one, well then, if you're them, if you're looking on the bright side, well then she's the shield. And what do you know? When she got into the royal family, she was the shield between the rest of the family and the tabloids. And so 
when you look at this case, you see that a royal aide, the CEO of the Foundation for the Future King and Queen of England, are giving he's giving evidence for the tabloids. Like it doesn't get any more clear than that. It really doesn't. But it's just scary when you look back and you see him in all of the photos where she's, you know, just trying to find her way. She's pregnant, you know, all the while just being bashed. And he's right there knowing full well what the plan is and executing it. And then knowing that Megan is none the wiser. Now, I'm sure that as time went on, you know, it's looking back in hindsight is something, man. I'm sure that as time went on, she realized what the pieces are and how they fit together. But while it was happening, she probably had no clue. She probably had no clue to just how sinister it all was. But Jason basically gave evidence, uh, including text conversations and emails uh, and communications that he had with Megan. And what do you know? He, He never gives the full context. So while he regrets not giving evidence in the in the first go round. He gives evidence this go round, but it's not the full story. His evidence paints the picture that vilifies Megan, but conveniently not the rest of the royal family. Hmm, I wonder why that is. So case in point, he includes exchanges where Megan is talking about the letter, because that's what this is all about anyway, the letter. Um, where she's going to refer to Thomas as daddy and number the pages in a certain way and just referencing the letter and how she's writing it to her dad, basically trying to safeguard the letter from being leaked at all, or at least to be able to have proof that it was leaked. And so in this, they tried to paint her as someone who planned for the letter to be leaked, which if she did, that is still her right. I think that gets lost. But what they're actually trying to do is paint her, further paint her as a villain, because that's all the appeal was about, is just to diminish the image that Megan has made for herself, especially post-royal family, given how popular she is and how loved around the world she is, especially in America, because they know that trope works, especially when you're talking about black women, okay? But They're trying to paint her as somebody who basically like set her dad up, which she didn't make him leak the letter, you know? So even if that was the case, which I don't believe it was, but even if it was, the whole goal here is to pivot people's attention from the fact that her, her rights were violated by publishing the letter and to basically try to turn attention to the fact that she had a private conversation about the letter, which depending on who you are, or or I guess what your opinion of Megan is anyway, you might find unsavory. I personally don't because when I look at all of these emails, all of the texts, no matter what they say, I look at them as things that we shouldn't even know about because they're not even related to the actual violation itself right? These are private conversations. Now, whether they're savory or unsavory, it doesn't matter because they're private conversations. So why do they even have a place in the appeal itself? But if it does, and if it's, you know, if it's relevant, you know, to the case and, and hearing it out and seeing if it needs to go to trial, which I think every legal expert will, has already determined that it's not relevant to the summary judgment and whether that was 
a fair ruling or not, um, that's fine. But the whole purpose of this entire thing and being able to write about it and report on it day to day is essentially just to hit Megan over the head. See, but in doing so, because they're always so short-sighted, in doing so, what they really did was shine a light on the royal family and how they were during this whole situation with Thomas Markle and Megan and Harry just being newly engaged and giving us further context to some of the things that Harry and Megan were talking about in the interview with Oprah. So, of course, Jason tries to paint Megan in a certain way with the evidence that he submits to the London Court of Appeal. And of course, Megan has to fill in that context, which I'm glad that she did. He he left out a lot of things that she said to him expressing concerns about what she and Harry were going through at the time. For example, for example, Megan wrote to Jason via text message, which he didn't again submit as a part of the evidence, even though they were having text conversations about the same thing at the same time. He mysteriously left this one out. She said the catalyst for doing this is seeing how much pain this is causing H, who is Harry. Even after a week with his dad and endlessly explaining the situation, his family seems to forget the context and revert to, can't you just go and see him and make this stop? They fundamentally don't understand. So at least by writing, H will be able to say to his family, she wrote him a letter and he's still doing it. By taking this form of action, I protect my husband from this constant berating. And while unlikely, perhaps it will give my father a moment to pause, end quote. And so for some reason, and I don't know why, but the Associated Papers, Will and Kate, Jason Naff, the royal family, why didn't they expect Megan to include the things that they left out? Things that weren't going to make them look good. And actually, after this came out, or really after the, the, the appeal was over, a lot of, a lot of places or, or publications wrote about the royal family and why they really don't want this to go to trial. And I feel like the first time around, that was the overall sentiment. It's just like, do you really want this to go to trial? Because while you're trying to drag Megan's name through the mud, trust and believe she will recover. And with all of the focus now being on the royal family and how they operate again, because everybody was thinking about it when Princess Diana passed. And then now with the crown, there's a brand new generation taking a look at the royal family and how they treat women, particularly uh, women who marry into the royal family. And basically seeing Diana's story all over again and now giving everyone like Everyone who is interested, the opportunity to see the parallels between what Megan is describing her experience as and what we're seeing Diana's experience as um, through the crown, through things like Spencer. Um, and people are curious, like young people are curious. They're going back and they're, they're looking at interviews that Diana gave. So like you're, you're literally opening yourself up to this. And in this message to Jason, I hear a woman who is concerned about the emotional and mental well-being of her husband, even though a lot of this is being done to her, not just by like the royal family. And again, at this time, maybe she didn't quite realize that 
there was so much going against her from the royal family, but then having to deal with her father acting and behaving the way he is, maybe at that at the time, not even knowing that the tabloids were also a part of the conversation that they had set up shop right next door. Um, and the fact that they fe- they expected her to fly to Mexico. And she talked about that. She says, they expect me to fly to just show up at my dad's house and a place that I hadn't even been in the middle of all of this so that I can make him stop when knowing that they were in on it. Like that's the sinister shit that I just cannot wrap my head around. Like knowing the tabloids were down there because that's what I believe. They knew they were there. They they probably knew about the, the fake photos and the, you know, the stunts and all of that, that the, the fake photos that he had kind of like posed for pretending to read about British history and, and working out and all of that. Girl, I wouldn't be surprised if the royal family knew that shit was going to go down, right? And then they're expecting her to fly there, but then while berating Harry at the same time. This expresses concern that she has at the time for how her husband is being treated, being able to see firsthand how they are treating him in this period of time where they're supposed to be nothing but supportive. But of course... All of this is going on because they are trying to stop the wedding from even happening in the first place. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing what this woman went through. And they hate that she won. This is why we're even still talking about it. They hate the fact that she won. She won because the wedding wasn't called off. She won because she was the most popular royal when she was a senior royal. She won because she didn't end her own life. She won because she escaped. And she won because she's still far more popular globally than any single one of the members of the royal family. And that's just it. They hate it and they hate her because they can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. And then not only that, the only thing that's left out of this whole entire thing, and especially as time marches on, is the fact that the royal family has not changed, and everybody sees that. They are still just as sadistic and sinister as they were when Diana was a senior royal. You know, and if you've seen Spencer, spoiler alert, (laughs) um, she gets warnings from Anne Boleyn who was a famous, (laughs) very famous uh, wife uh, in the, uh, or queen in the British monarchy who was killed by her husband, girl. But um, she gets warnings. So we're talking about an institution that just has no regard for any woman who decides to think for herself, be herself. And even though the eras change, the institution doesn't it's still just as harsh and probably even more sinister is that in the in the current time there especially after princess diana's death the institution of the monarchy tries to make itself seem as though it is the opposite of what we know it to be 
they they put out this image that they care about mental health. And I know we've talked about this. They put out this image that they care about the plight of like poor people or, you know, black people, girl, or even members of the institution itself. It puts out this image that it's welcoming, that, you know, it's a new era, it's a new day. You know, we're not that anymore even though the same people are still there, the same people are still there making decisions, influencing, even if it's um, some of the same reporters that were around when Diana was alive. It's all the same. But they want people to believe through all their disingenuous efforts that it is not the same, that it is an institution with a heart, that those who are in the institution, higher ranking folks in the institution actually care about what happens to people. And, you know, I wonder if that text message to Jason was Megan's first sign of what she was really getting into. Um, Not just the text message, but just the whole entire experience. Um, Just some of the things, if you really look back, some of the things that were said about the royal family, starting with this, constantly berating my husband about this. Writers who were referring to the Cambridges, um, calling Harry and Meghan names, sociopathic, calling her, you know, narcissistic. We see that is a word that is used often by trolls who uh, constantly troll Harry and Meghan online. And the tabloids also use those words. Well, we have people attributing them to Harry's family, as Meghan describes them. (laughs) as Megan now describes them. Um, You know, things just like the utter disregard for Megan's well-being while she was heavily pregnant, knowing that she had mental turmoil going on as a result of everything that was happening around her uh, and doing nothing, knowing about it and doing nothing, um, you know, going back to before she got married and Kate making Megan cry. Like, to call them snakes would be too nice. That would be too fucking nice. Snakes do what snakes do. That's what, that's just what they do. A snake don't know no better, but a human being does. So they were very deliberate. And we're talking about a plan that was laid out from before she even got there to ruin her that's lower than a snake baby i'm sorry because a snake is not sadistic in fact a snake just tries to survive these people they sought to destroy and cause chaos and they're still doing it their opportunities for doing that are getting fewer and fewer in number but in the ways that they can you best believe they will because that's who they are that's who they are and what we see in the communications that Megan has between herself and Jason, and which which I absolutely loved, underlying everything that Megan is saying is her advocacy for herself. Even though she didn't know the whole thing that was happening underneath everything, the whole plot, if you will, she still advocated for herself and her man. You understand? Whether it was her saying whether it was her saying 
or emphasizing do not share my private messages with you with Samantha. And a lot of people in that situation, knowing that they're outnumbered, for lack of a better word, would have acquiesced to him when he asked if he could share her messages with Sam. She said no. And let me emphasize, I do not want you to share those messages. So whether it's something like that, whether it's her saying, well, you know, I don't know why they want me to go to Mexico. I'm not doing it. I am going to write this letter, though, and I'm going to write it in this certain way. Good for her for advocating for herself. Because you know what? I think the longer that she was there, they were trying to beat that spirit out of Megan. They really were. But if you really think about it, she never, like, it never dropped. Even when she was at her lowest, she still had her friends to call upon. She still had people who she knew had her back. And that's why when that Oprah interview was about to drop, they all came out so strongly in defense of her because they know what type of person she is and the type of person that they're trying to paint now as well as back then with the obviously with the help of the tabloids it just didn't match who we know her to be and who Harry knew her to be even before she was his wife they tried everything in the book to get him to call off this wedding, to paint her as someone who just wasn't a good fit. Not for you, not for the family, not for England. And Harry said, girl, you can kiss my ass. And then what we're also going to do is we're going to go ahead and leave. And when we have our family, you know, y'all ain't going to see him, girl. Ellen ain't going to see him before you do. <laughs> and when you do see my child, it will be his back. You'll see the back of his head. You know, his face will be obscured. And no, Kate, when the reporter asks you, have you talked a little bit? The answer, it, it is no. Because no, you will not. You will not. You shan't. Okay? So, like, it's not even that I think Harry and Meghan are saints. Because I don't. Nobody is perfect. You know, like I said, the appeal itself, it's to try to diminish everyone else's view of Harry and Meghan and Meghan in particular. But yeah, maybe some of the messages were something that uh, I guess the average person would say paints a different picture of Meghan. But girl, who in this world is perfect? Nobody, nobody. And if you look at the stress that Meghan was under at that time, you're damn right she should defend herself. You're damn right she should try to safeguard the letter from being leaked. Because ultimately, if it was leaked, it's not on her, but her right would have been violated should that letter have been leaked and published. So using text messages and emails to somehow illustrate that Megan isn't who, you know, she presents herself as in the world. Oh, you know, because she supposedly, which I didn't actually see this, but I did hear another podcast talking about it, which they're not going to be mentioned on here, but that was the first that I had heard of it saying that Megan mentioned Samantha, you know, in custody of her kids and the fact that she has three kids with three different baby daddies, basically. Um, if that is the case, so what? So what? Look at how Samantha Markle and her dad, Thomas Markle, and even her brother came for her, came for her. Megan has feelings, too. So if Megan in a human moment decided to say, hey, and by the way, while they're trying to paint me as a certain type of person, 
keeping in mind this is her blood. Like, so not only does she have to uh, try to smile amongst these wolves in the royal family as she's she's still planning her wedding, um, she has to contend with the smear that her own blood is carrying out of her in the same tabloids, right? So that 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 she has now sued. So if Megan in a human moment says, oh, she has three different, you know, baby daddies or whatever, make sure you include that. She has a right to say that. But again, keeping in mind, these are things that are even relevant. They're not even relevant to the case itself. You could call it what you want to call it, slut shaming or what what have you. And again, I still don't know that she actually said that. But um, even if she did, if you're in the if you're in the tabloids and on TV and giving interviews every day talking about how I'm not a respectable person and how the royal family uh, should stop me from being married to this person that I'm planning to spend my life with. You're saying that I'm not respectable. Well, then if I'm not welcome, then you sure as hell wouldn't be welcome. You know what I'm saying? Like, girl, you didn't even get an invite to the wedding. So I, I'm, I am certainly not about to have someone who has a human moment somehow be punished for that, given all of the duress that she was under. And then on top of all of that, again, it is not relevant to the actual case itself or to the appeal. Again, all it is is something that people can further smear Megan with. And see, but what they don't quite understand is that Americans don't pay attention all that closely either. Girl, we don't care. We have our own things to worry about over here. You know, as far as I'm concerned, Megan's reputation, quote unquote, it's already taken a hit in England. So has Harry's. Girl, we don't care. I mean, like we're showing you over and over that we don't care. So you're not going to diminish Megan's appeal or global reach. Like it, the only place it's working is England. And I assure you, if Megan cared about that, she'd be doing more to try to change it, girl. Like really, it was throw the whole island away after the Oprah interview for me, for me, you know, not, not every individual, you know what I'm saying? Cause I know a lot of y'all, y'all be jumping in my DMs talking about why you be talking about England like that? You know, we, we don't all hate Megan and that might be true, but y'all all do fun that Royal family who, who does, uh, and allow the tabloids to exist in your culture to influence you to the point where after this woman goes, on television and talks to Oprah and says, these things happen and y'all all call her uh, names. I mean, and I'm, I'm not even just talking about trolls. The, everybody in England, like the, re, not, I won't say everybody, but the reaction to that interview, like they couldn't have been more different when you look at how really the rest of the world, not even just the U.S., reacted versus how England reacted. It's kind of like the whole island decided that, it was going to be a jilted lover and, um, you know, Megan was the ex that, you know, now they can say, well, we didn't want you anyway kind of thing. You know what I mean? So it's like Megan don't care what y'all think about her. 
you know, because as far as she knows, she gave her all. She was there. She was willing to give more of her life to your country, to your beloved royal family. Um, and Harry was the one that said, no, we're done. We're done. Get your shit. We're leaving. Harry was the one that said that. Megan was the one willing to ride it out. But at this point, girl, she don't care. She don't care. So um, if they want to try to diminish her, go for it, girl. Watch how little it impacts her and her ability to get things done. Also this past week, there was uh, a TV interview that was sort of circulating. Not, not an interview, but sort of like a segment where a bunch of people were talking about uh, the appeal and um, circulating on Twitter. I saw it like no fewer than about 10 times um, where they were just talking about the the appeal and Jason um, Jason's evidence for the appeal and what were the chances that, which again, let me reemphasize, we already knew. Um, but what were the chances that Will and Kate didn't know about or didn't approve uh, what was submitted as evidence by Jason Knopf? And the answer by the royal reporters, I believe Dickie Arbiter was one of them, was zero. Of course he knew. Like, of course they knew. Of course they gave approval uh, before any anything was submitted uh, to the London Court of Appeal by Jason Knopf. And that was really only relevant because they were mentioned by name. And royal reporters were basically pointing to Will and Kate as saying, well, of course they knew. Of course this is like, you know, this is where we're tying Will and Kate now to the trial. I think that was the first time that that actually happened where I saw a royal reporter emphatically linking Will and Kate to the appeal and the trial and what Megan is going through really from the beginning of her time in the royal family. And the reason why that is significant is because there's finally a little light being shined on Will and Kate. They tried to hide this whole time behind the Associated Papers and the Mail on Sunday behind Jason. I don't know how they thought they could hide behind him when he's their guy. Like he's literally their man. Um, trying to hide behind the news of it all. And Robert Lacey even mentioned kind of like their disdain for uh, Harry and Megan, particularly Megan, talking about how she was worried from the start. And again, all those names that they called them sociopathic, narcissistic and you know, this bloody woman, I believe, Will is quoted as saying. Um, of course they approved it. Of course they approved it. So I wonder if it's be the beginning of the end in terms of Will and Kate's practice of throwing the rock and hide in their hand. Because the paper, while I'm sure it hates being sued and losing that lawsuit, which it, it, it already has lost, Whatever they would pay out to Megan is nothing compared to how much money they have. And while the papers can be vile, and I'm sure much of this appeal is about making money from the news, uh, all of the newsworthy items that come out of the appeal, really what shouldn't go unnoticed is the relationship that's being preserved through this whole thing. The relationship, that invisible contract between the tabloids and the royal family. 
the smearing of Megan from the beginning and including this smearing that's that happened during the appeal, I believe, was at the behest of the royal family. And again, here we see Will and Kate being named. So, you know, like the like the old folks say, it'll all come out in the wash. You best believe it's all coming out now. But Harry and Meghan have moved on with their lives. And really, it's time for England to do the same. It's time for the tabloids to do the same. I mean, if you look at the number of articles that are still written about Megan on just the Daily Mail or just one particular um, tabloid, whichever one you choose, and then you look at the number of articles that are written about, let's say, Kate, for example. Kate's the one doing things in England, going to charity events. Megan's not even, y'all said that she wasn't even a royal anymore. But it's just clicks, 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 because they're they're using Megan for money and they're bashing Megan for the royal family, especially now because of this idea that a royal court has been set up in Montecito and they have to now directly compete with it. And not only are they having to compete, they're losing. But either way, they said the appeal decision will come in a couple of weeks Again, most legal experts predict that the original decision uh, to award Megan the summary judgment will be upheld. Um, we'll see. I, I definitely hope it is. If not, then it goes to a trial. And then Megan possibly has to go back to England to uh, testify. If it does, it's probably going to get really, really, really ugly. You know, but again, at this point, I don't think Megan has really anything to lose so um you know that's what happens when you carry yourself as a certain person whatever comes out it's right in line with who everybody knows you to be that's not the same for the royal family because again they present themselves and particularly will and kate present themselves as one thing knowing full well there's something else so we'll see what happens of course, all of us will definitely be looking out for that. And of course, I hope Megan can at some point finally get this whole thing put behind her and just close this chapter. And speaking of moving on to bigger and better things, did you catch the good girl on Ellen? I know you did. What a fun time. You know, Megan, I, I love the idea of her getting back to herself who she was, who she is. Um, and I love that it was also a surprise. You know, Megan, Megan can do what she wants. She can do what she wants. Uh, what I found really funny about the announcement of Megan on Ellen was just how <laughs> immediately as we, we, we've come to expect this anyway, but immediately after the announcement and the little promo started circulating, you know, Shutter Island and the tabloids, you know, they start to freak out as they do. But Americans, when we see Ellen, like an Ellen show appearance, we know that it's fluff, right? It's not the Oprah Winfrey show. Even when Oprah show was on, she would ask tough questions during the, um, during the, the hour of the show. But Ellen is very much a fun show, right? So we know that it's going to be fluff, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like the folks in England or particularly the folks who want to see Megan fail, 
did they start freaking out, like, thinking that she was going to talk about some, like, hard-hitting stuff, kind of hearkening back to the Oprah interview? Like, I, I, I didn't understand the reaction to it, both leading up to it, during it, and afterward. But... Uh, that being said, I love that Megan is just really, you know, just letting her hair down, um, you know, allowing herself to, you know, show her silly side and make fun of herself and just be comfortable reintroducing herself really to the world um, outside of what the royal family is trying to put out about her. Um, the narrative that the the tabloids has basically already written about her. She's writing her own narrative. And what we know is that Harry and Meghan are controlling their narrative as they have the right to do. So it's it's really nice to see Meghan on the Ellen show, just kind of talking about how she's adjusting or how she's adjusted over these last couple of years that they've been here. You know, as we go into the holidays, she talked about how um, you know, this is our second Thanksgiving home, <laughs> home in the U.S. or home in California. And I just love that for her. I love that for her. But, you know, that's to me, that strikes me as a really sort of classy way to say, baby, I'm done. I'm done with the island. I'm I'm done with a family. Um, home is here. And Auntie Ellen sees Archie all the time. <laughs> I love it. I I absolutely love it because, baby, if there's anybody in this world who doesn't deserve to see Lilibet and Archie on a regular basis, it's the royal family because understand, pretty much any and every restriction has been lifted in terms of travel. Girl, they ain't going nowhere. They ain't going nowhere. And... I'm not going to be over there anytime soon, barring any major incidents or major um, passings, for example. Just saying, Harry didn't go back over there until his granddaddy died. Uh, and then there was a statue unveiling that he went to that he stayed 15 minutes for, and then he was done, like afterwards, after it was all done. Um, and he was back on the plane to California. Girl, home is here. And I love that she says that, um, really, if you think about all of the interviews that or the, the different things that Megan has actually uh, done here recently where she's talking about her life or somebody asked her, you know, how's it, how's, how's everything? You know, how's California? Because we all know that they're there. Um, she emphasizes the fact that it is home, like it's home uh, and not just home because she's from there, but home because that's what that's where they're rooted right now and forever. And so <laughs> with her, her two American children with their American accents, uh, that would have been British had they not been so nasty to my girl. Um, they are living. They are thriving. And, you know, we can't help but smile with her when she's smiling, talking about her children and her, her life and uh, the things that are important to her. She gets to do it. And everybody who's important to Harry and Meghan and Archie and Lily, they get to share in that joy. They get to share in that joy because they weren't a part of the 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 gang of thugs that tried to diminish that joy or prevent it from even even being out in the world, girl. So um, another thing from the Ellen show I absolutely loved, which I can't stop watching, actually, 
is the um, I can't remember what Ellen called it, but the the prank on the vendors uh, where Ellen was telling Megan everything to say and do. My favorite was actually the second vendor. <laughs> uh, let mommy taste some. That was that was just like my favorite um, because of how she was eating the chips. But Ellen, man, Ellen, Ellen, wild for that one. But they were all really good sports, and and for that, like you could tell, Megan was just like not. She was totally in the moment, not at all in her head, not at all worried about you know what people's opinions of it would be, just having fun and. This is something that I would actually liken to the um, Prince Harry and James Corden obstacle course, you know, and and it also actually shows you the double standard, though, that people apply to women. Um, For example, I put the the Megan skit, the Megan prank on the vendors um, on my TikTok and but I also went to, to YouTube to see it first. But like people were saying oh, you know, well, this is so embarrassing. This is not representative of the royal family at all. And what about the the titles? She should really be ashamed of herself. Oh, see, she's not a good fit. First and foremost, y'all can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. You can't say when they leave and step down from being senior royals that she is no longer a royal. And then when you see her having fun and when you see her fans and everybody just laughing it up over the skit and having a good time and praising Megan for being a good sport. You can't then go and say, oh, well, she's embarrassing the queen. She's not representing the queen well. No, 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 no. You just said that she doesn't represent the queen at all. Like just a couple of months ago, you know, it feels like that anyway. And you were calling for the titles and all of that. So, you know, she's either royal or she's not. This is a perfect example of how Meghan and Harry critics, they change the narrative whenever it suits them. I mean, it can't get more blatant than this. People were all on my TikTok talking about, you know, oh, well, she's 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 a good actress, isn't she? What? But wait, you just said that she was a bad actress. You said she was a bad actress. She wasn't a good actress. So is she a good actress or is she a bad actress? I mean, like, figure it out. Like, it's funny but annoying at the same time. But, like, with the obstacle course, it was it was pretty much all great for Harry. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't as much. It wasn't a skit, for example. But it was scripted when they went to the Fresh Prince of, of Bel Air House and, and Harry used the restroom. Like, that was planned. They don't just show up at people's houses, right? But it was like nothing bad. It was all fun. But that's that is more so just the double standard between men and women. Whereas um Harry goes on and it's fine. Megan goes to a similar show, does a similar um planned scripted sort of segment, and it's an issue. But we knew that was gonna happen. But I love that it happened. Um I love her making fun of herself and just, you know being silly uh because it really that's that's kind of who she was before they tried to stamp that light out of her um and then I also love the segments where we got introduced to Brittany Starks and her foundation a twist of greatness or her charity a twist of greatness where she explained how she um 
braided kids hair for free for school. And then that turned into something bigger uh, to where more people could come on and, and uh, help her with braiding these kids hair. And Ellen gave her 20,000. Archwell gave her 20,000. Uh, and I love that. And her story is incredible. She moved to Nashville after uh, being homeless. And she said that her friend gave her children backpacks, shoes, and clothes, and she started braiding hair as a way to give back. And after posting on Facebook, it just became bigger and bigger. And more and more kids, currently up to 150 kids, got their hair braided by Brittany Starks for free while she was working three jobs. That's dedication. And from the sound of it, it couldn't happen to a better person. And I love that Archwell, as a foundation, was able to bless this woman because she's an example, not only in her community, but to her kids. And there's no more important example to set than for your children. So and other people's children, for that matter. So good for her. And, you know, sometimes compassion and empathy are all we have to give, but you never know when that's going to turn into something bigger. And I'm so glad that it did for her because she's so deserving. Also, Megan looked phenomenal as she does. Hair laid, honey, face beats. And the shirt sold out. I, I love that, you know, when she left royal life, her style didn't change drastically. But it has that pop to it. You know what I mean? So in hindsight, we can actually now see. I mean, we could see it then too. But now we can really see and compare how they were wanting her to be less of herself. Right? Not to say Megan, you know, wasn't snatched, you know, hair laid, face beaten, all of that when she was a royal. Uh, when she was in the royal family as a senior royal doing engagements and things like that. But, oh, you can't tell, you can't tell her nothing right now, honey. And designers, I'm sure they, even designers like Oscar de la Renta, that, that was the desi designer for the blouse that she wore, um, they want Megan in their stuff. Honey, uh, that shirt sold out like within hours and we would expect nothing less. Um, but I love how she's just, she's still into her slacks, you know, and, and her, her pumps, but like, I love that extra little bit of pizzazz that we're getting, you know, Megan girl, just, just keep doing the things, just keep doing the things. So basically like the Ellen appearance, the salute to freedom gala, the conversations with Wired and deal book and the New York trip and just everything. It, it further cements the fact that they did it. They made a clean break and they're successful at what they set out to do. That service is universal. They don't need to be in the royal framework in order to be of service to other folks. They can link with Jose Andres and donate a roof to a shelter after a hurricane. They can donate $20,000 through Archwell as well as thousands of books to kids across the country. And the list goes on and on and on. They can be philanthropic, but they can also make a profit. <laughs> like they don't have to work for free. And I don't know what it is about folks who like royalists 
who somehow think that working for free, but while being paid for, right, by the tax dollar, is the way to go, while also not really making an impact with the charities that you're you're actually, like, wasting time with. Uh, you're wasting their time, I mean, specifically. Um, not seeing charities for years and years and years, whereas with Harry and Meghan, we can see a meaningful impact, right? We can see a meaningful impact on the lives of the people that they choose to help. I think that's one of the things that guided Megan when she was a senior royal in terms of the the types of patronages that she um that she had and and the impact that she wanted to make something that you can see. I think that's where Smartworks is really was really a good fit for Megan because you can actually see um the transition that a woman is making in her life from being unemployed to being employed and then the confidence that was that can be gained along the way through the help of a charity like SmartWorks. Um, it's that kind of thought that Megan thought and intention that Megan puts behind her work that is so clearly lacking in the royal family. Harry as well. Harry as well. I mean, look at the projects that he was able to actually put together. And we talk about the Royal Foundation and Heads Together. Girl, that was all Harry's idea. Um, and look how they are flailing without Harry and Meghan. And it's all their own doing, and they deserve every bit of it. The only thing they can do is copy. In the absence of a collaboration, that's the only thing they have left. But then the most heartwarming thing for me is, again, just seeing how supported they are in America, but not just in America, the rest of the world. But they get that immediate feedback over here. They don't get the vitriol. They don't get the passive aggressiveness. They don't get the um, the nasty hit pieces and tabloids. You know, they get to actually just do the work that's important to them. Megan gets to write letters to senators, call senators, uh, and advocate for things that are important without being hit over the head for it. And probably the most heartwarming thing this month is just seeing how the military community has embraced them. Knowing how important supporting veterans is to Harry uh, and Megan as well, because she's done USO tours uh, year after year before she was the Duchess of Sussex. But seeing them being embraced by that community, seeing them surrounded by men and women in uniform who are happy to be there with them and them making their presence known, not just at the gala, it speaks to how in tune they are with the world around them and their desire to actually connect with people, not just to give from afar, not just to shake hands, but to actually build relationships. So while William was saying that Megan was just, quote, too American, I love that Harry is over here embracing his Americanness. He's not an actual American. But girl, he, he may as well be because people over here adore Harry. Like we loved him before. He was like I, I said before, he was our favorite prince before anyway. I think he was probably everybody's favorite prince. Um, but we love that he's living here. And the military community, if they know nothing about Harry, they know that he was also a military member and that it is very important to him, you know. So nearly everything the royal family has tried to do to Harry and Meghan, has said about Harry and Meghan as a way to insult Harry and Meghan, 
it's thrown back in their faces and they hate it. They hate it because this they cannot control. They could control her as long as she was there. This they cannot. It's a totally different beast over here. And honey, we got her back. We got her back. You know, the media doesn't, you know, feed into stories, hearsay, sources said. We don't feed into that. If if it's something that's promotable, we're going to promote it, period. We don't feed into the character assassination for no reason. Sorry. And the crazy thing is, if this were a different time, you know, a time when the royal family actually had more credibility and that, you know, a time when everybody just kind of took their word for things, they might have been able to relegate Harry and Meghan to, you know, a a new or a different iteration of Wallace Simpson and Edward because that's ultimately what they wanted to do. That's ultimately what they thought that they were, were going to be able to accomplish. If you don't want to stay here and be controlled, you can get out of the family and just fade into obscurity. That's what they wanted. And they hate that they didn't get that. They hate that they didn't get it. And what they, what they relied on was good old fashioned racism, right? Cause you know, America has a reputation. <laughs> we got a reputation for having some racial problems over here. And they relied on, I mean, you know, they, they got their footing with the MAGA crowd. The MAGA, if you notice, Americans who tend to just blindly promote the royal family and just blindly troll Megan, they're also conservatives. They're MAGA. Um, you can't convince the rest of us who actually think and don't have worms for brains uh, that Megan is not someone who <laughs> is a stand-up kind of gal. So they're upset about it. We love that for them. We, we really do. But who I love it for absolutely most outside of Megan is Harry. Because the more I see Megan just stepping into this light, the more I'm reminded of the fact that this is the same light that Harry fell in love with, but it's the same light that he saw day by day, week by week, month by month being diminished by his family. And so you think back to in the beginning, just as protective as she was of him and then berating her, he was as protective of her, if not more so. And that by the time that they left, she had been so psychologically and emotionally battered and bruised by, to quote Megan, his family and, and her own though, her own too. But especially his because they were supposed to welcome her into the fold. And instead they targeted her. All they had to do was get over here, girl. And they did not go back. Megan did not go back. I knew when they had that six-week trip over here, a little holiday breaky break for Thanksgiving, I knew they weren't coming back. And here we are, second Thanksgiving in a row, baby. It is collard greens and cornbread for Harry this year as well. <laughs> so I love that for you, bro. And I'm so proud of you and I'm so happy for for you and for, for Megan and for your family and also for your friends because I know they were worried as well. 
So um, with that, I have to say that that is pretty much all I have for today, guys. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes as well as Spotify and pretty much wherever you get your podcast, girl. Uh, You can find me also on YouTube and subscribe there for additional content. Find me on Instagram at Sussexet, on Twitter at Megan Mood, and on TikTok at Sussex Mood. Take care, you guys. Enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend with your families. Eat, drink, be merry, and continue to shine your light on the world. And so until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me.